piss, 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 you know what we i feel like we haven't gotten to know each other very well over the course of doing this podcast so i think we we have to play would you rather okay oh wow pick a theme it's setting up the app okay oh my god i don't agree to the terms and conditions you have to agree to get email i have to agree to get email updates to play you can unsubscribe oh my god this sucks wow (laughs) that sucks so bad i just think we need an icebreaker personally why does it say correct answer does it really say correct answer? Yes, it yes. says correct answer. I haven't gotten that. Ah, you loser. I haven't picked the correct answer yet. You're picking the wrong answers. Why? You know what? This is a great question. Sarah, answer this question too. Would you rather go on a date with a Muppet or a cartoon character? We're going to make that our question for the week. Respond to us in the, in the sections below. That was so easy. I've never clicked faster in my life. Oh, I meant to click a cartoon character. <laughs> I have a great, great, great news for you. Why are we in a guacamole-themed escape? We're doing Medium. holy guacamole escape. Medium difficulty. It's the night of the big fiesta with music, dancing, and lots of food. Your abuela usually makes her legendary guacamole, but she is in the hospital recovering from <laughs> what? You volunteer to make the guacamole using your abuela's special recipe. When you get on the laptop in your abuela's kitchen, you de- why is it in the kitchen? You discover the recipe is password protected. No. You somewhere in the kitchen but you need to find it fast because the fiesta's to begin oh no okay that's oh my god Uh, let's solve the avocado cilantro jalapeno lime and onion puzzles Uh, oh my god i'm taking the avocado oh no that's what okay okay i'm doing cilantro okay 20 minutes later i'm gonna be honest you solved almost everything there (laughs) honestly correct i was stuck on that Stupid, stupid uh, Venn diagram for so long. I found one letter of the um, avocado thing, and then I was like, it's fresh. And I just typed fresh, and it was right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cold. Okay. Out of there, sir, and welcome to your mandatory, uh, mandatory team building meeting. I am your your team leader for the day, the conch. Hi, I'm bisexual Betty, and I want you to know this is a safe space. We're not going to judge you. You can open yourselves up. We're on God's time now. That's why we've made you put your phones away. <laughs> That's actually what kairos means, if you didn't know. It translates from Greek as God's time. And God's- that's why... If you look at all of the clocks, they have little smiley faces on them. Because you're not allowed to know what time it is. We're going to spend our few days together revealing what masks you wear and why you wear them. Are you, you take them off. the clown? You know what? I think 
for us all to feel comfortable, you should share the worst thing that's ever happened in your life. What's your name? <laughs> My name is Crypto Lesbian Pulp Fiction. Wow. Thank you for asking. And what mask do you wear? I'm autistic, you dumb whore. It sounds like you're wearing a mask of anger, actually. I'm wearing a mask if I'm not autistic, thank you. Just so everyone in this in this group together feels comfortable, I have a little bit of an opening game that we can play. See, for Christmas, my family graciously got me a Garfield's comic of the year calendar. Not gonna lie, our friend would kill you for that calendar. That's true. I shall now meditate and find my center. I sense that my center is empty. I shall now fill my center with a donut. A majority of donuts don't have centers, and this comic bothers me. This has bothered me. I think we all learned something. Let me know. Bisexual Betty, can you please lead us in a lovely telling of today's story? So when I was six... <laughs> Oh, I forgot that's what we were This is something really hard for me to share. I, it's... But one time, when I was 15, I yeah. sneezed really hard and it hurt my nose. And I've never shared that with anyone. Anyway, um, who's next? Oh, the person whose mom died? Yeah, get on, <laughs> get on out of here. <laughs> Our problems are of equal importance. Uh, hi, hi, my name's Skylin Falcon Andrews. Um, I'm the daughter of Fred Andrews, but... <laughs> He's never met me. I grew up on the south side. Hobbies include punching walls, um, <laughs> punching my friends. Sorry, sorry. Whatever, whatever we say in this podcast stays in this podcast. Sarah, Unless we have to legally make it not safe. <laughs> Sarah, this is a safe space for you. Actually, it was a safe space for Sarah. <laughs> for real. It's gotten too meta. Give me a fanfic. Welcome to the fanfiction segment of Kairos, where we read a fanfiction about um, the Omegaverse by Gay and Girl Right. Um, in the last... I the underscores. I don't like saying the underscores. <laughs> We're on chapter seven. That's in the... improper citations, plagiarism. In... You know what our uni has to say about at the, that. At the oh, end of the day, all the writing is God's writing, you know? In the last segment... Ray decided to get together with all of his friends and they're going to war with Reggie Mantle on the football field. Um, if they win, Cheryl gets to be the alpha of Ray. And if Reggie wins, Reggie gets to be the alpha of Ray. In no situation does Ray get to be their own person because that's too unrealistic. That's now, so you might ask, couldn't Cheryl have been their beard the entire time without any problem? No, because yes. canonically you can smell it. They confirmed that last chapter. No, they did. They did. Yes, they they did. did. Reminds me of Joan's perfume, if you ask me. <laughs> Joan's perfume is just a musk. <laughs> Ew. You walk into the into the classroom and you're just hit by it. <laughs> Open the doors. <laughs> The worst part of the locked room mystery is that they're all slowly suffocating from Joan's perfume. That sucks. That sucks so bad. That's so mean. 
They didn't have to canonize that he smelled her from three feet away. We're really cracking ourselves up. And then the podcast hasn't even started. I know. We're I... bringing a really weird energy to this episode. I was desperately trying to get you guys to move on some fucking guacamole puzzle. We had to finish it. We did not. You helped a lot. Okay. Thank you. Okay, chapter seven. I stare across the field where Reggie stands. He starts to walk forward, two of his pack members walking behind him. I feel Cheryl's hand on my shoulder and look over and see her next to me, her fingers laced with Tony's. I realize this isn't just about me. They're fighting so they can be together and safe to stop Reggie and his pack from attacking Tony. We're still at number- That was a threat? We never, we no, never heard about we that. never knew that. That's new. Stakes. Reggie would never but be homophobic. If anything, Reggie would be one of the guys that fetishize lesbians. Reggie has definitely said something homophobic. Reggie canonically watches porn every chance he gets. <laughs> he canonically also said something homophobic, people. Well, he asks, and I stare at him for a long time, but then smile. It doesn't say a little, but it almost <laughs> came out of my mouth because I'm so... <laughs> You've been pavloved. Over my dead body, I say, and swiftly kick him in the chest, making him fall backwards. Damn. The Jesus. range of motion. I know. I watch as he transforms into his wolf form and lets out a snarl. He leaps at me, but is tackled by Archie, who was also in his wolf form now. I quickly transform and run towards Reggie. This is the end of Twilight. That's what I was thinking. I was imagining when like freaking Jacob gets sent back and in the middle of the air he transforms into a wolf and it looks sick as hell. I was thinking about the final battle scene that's the best thing ever filmed and it's amazing. Both of you are obnoxious. It is so good. No, those movies slap. You're wrong for that opinion. Yeah. Um, okay, I feel something slam into my side and collapse. A different wolf is now over me and attempts to bite my leg, but is tackled by Tony. Tony, the vampire tackled a giant ass wolf? This is Twilight. As a human? Not on like my- Edward did that. Not on my watch, mutt. She snarls before attempting to bite the wolf. Their if... word of the week is now snarl. It's like Sesame Street. They just- <laughs> Elmo comes out. He's like, hello, kids. The word of the week is snarl. La 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 la. La 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 la. Snarl, Wow, you just kept going with that thing. You just kept on going. Your brain is at a higher level than ours. It really is. You're ahead of your time. Do you think do you think if a werewolf if a vampire drinks werewolf blood that like does something to them? Yeah. I don't know. Or is it more like an aphrodisiac? I don't know. I thought that's what I thought that's what you were going for. I stand again, but peel Sorry. <laughs> I stand again, but feel a pair of teeth dig into one of my legs, and the pain is too much in the moment, and I turn human again. I grip the shoulder that was bit and wince in pain. I feel a pair of arms grab me and carry me away. Sorry, Person isn't isn't the whole werewolf thing sort of like based on the idea of fight or flight? Like the whole like basis of the werewolf thing is that sort of fight or flight animalistic mentality. Yeah. 
So why in the in the most fight or flight moment would you be like, actually, I turn back into a human because it activated my fight or flight? That seems know. like an anti-werewolf thing to do. Anti-werewolf propaganda in my Omega vs. Fifth. Yeah. The person drops me after we get far enough. Are you okay? A boy I don't know asks, and I can see his fangs. Must be one of the boys Tony said she was going to bring. I'm fangs, he says. <laughs> <laughs> And des <laughs> despite the insane amount of pain I'm in, the name makes me laugh a little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, he says, and I wince in pain as he lightly touches my shoulder. Why would he touch your shoulder? <laughs> hey, does that hurt? <laughs> On your right, I yell, and he barely dodges the wolf but drops me in the process. <sighs> we transform and whimper a little at, a little at the pain still present. <laughs> I might have to try and fight with only three working legs. The wolf turns to look at us, and I cock my head a little. Werewolves tend to keep their eye and hair color from their human forms when they transform, but this wolf has hair and eyes black as the sky above us right now. Oh my god. I've never met someone with solid black eyes. They have human eyes? That's funny. They canonize that if you dye your hair pink, you become a pink wolf. That's funny. Which rules. You, they have human eyes. That's awful. As they should. Other contacts. Yeah. Emo wolves exist. <gasps> you know what I want? You know what? I, sorry, this is not relevant. But you know what I want? I want a story in which it's about a group of werewolves that like only exist in their wolf form. And they're like wolf emos, and they want the world to accept them as wolves. And like they don't want to have to fit into the human minded world. And it's just like these really broody in teenage angsty wolves in their little emo cuts. That's what I want. I'm not writing you a fanfic for you. Can you imagine that? What you're saying today is like the most interesting thing I've ever heard. You're really on it today. I want to study you. <laughs> That is just how I feel today. The wolf leaps at us, and I barely dodge, but fall, you guessed it, a little, because of my injured leg. Stop! This is so fucking annoying. I feel the wolf's claw slash at my bad leg, and I collapse. I feel a pair of arms grab me. How many people are grabbing you? I don't fucking And pull know. me away as the wolf lunges at me. As I land on my back, I shift again and lay on my back. <laughs> I agree, bestie. I agree. Me too. Barely able to feel my arm now. Thanks, I whisper. I barely managed to get Reggie off and I can feel more blood spilling from my arm. My little feeling of victory fades quickly as I feel Reggie's claws dig into my chest and I let out a scream of pain. This seems counterproductive to Reggie wanting to have sex with him. That's true. The next thing I know, Reggie is human again and staring down at me in horror. I didn't mean to, he whispers, and I can barely see right now. The pain is too much. Oh, damn. I feel something wrap around the wound, which slows the bleeding, but I still can't move much. What did you want then? I whisper, barely able to get the words out. He collapses to his knees in front of me. I wanted to fight for you and earn you. That's so stupid. Fight for you? Bestie. What did we do? I ask. We started a war, he replies. I want Hiram to come out of the woods and start wrecking shop. 
That's my canon ending. <laughs> so dumb. Oh my god. I didn't want this. Well, I did, but fuck. I just wanted a choice, I say, and can feel my vision starting to fade a little. Was it worth it? He asks, and I shake my head. That's funny. This is so dramatic. At least if I die, I won't be forced to be with anyone, I say with a soft laugh. That's the saddest thing. He doesn't reply for a moment. <laughs> That's sad. If you'd just given me a choice and not been such a dick, I would have chosen you. Well, you mean if... <laughs> what? <laughs> Babes. Wow. If you had given me a choice, I would have chosen you. But since you didn't give me a choice, I will die instead of being with you. That's smarts right there. That's That's weird. chess. What? He asks, and I chuckle, trying to distract myself from the pain as best as I can. This isn't over. I won't force you to do anything, and I'll give you time to heal. But we'll have to talk soon, he snaps, and I can't reply. You will be mine. It's up to you whether it'll be easy or not. Why? Why? I hear footsteps approach me, but my vision is too blurry now to see who is around me. Why isn't it healing, Cheryl yells. I know it's still fresh, but the bleeding should have stopped by now. It's because of Reggie. And Alpha's claws tend to cause more permanent wounds, especially on Omega's, Betty this says. This is so stupid. <laughs> That's why the voice is on to get to faint. Shut up! <laughs> All I can make out is need help and know someone. Then my body shuts down. I'm still alive, but I'm not sure for how much longer. I feel my consciousness fading. Good night. I force out this <laughs> I'm gonna die. I want my last words to be dumb. If I'm gonna die, I want my last words to be dumb. End of chapter. Oh my god. That was bonkers. I can't imagine reading this in like weekly installments and getting to this chapter. What are the comments? I would be freaking out. There's one from Daughter of Nike 6 and it just says the name is too perfect, lol. Rated? I don't know what that means. Not your lapdog? I guess. That's... I uh, I connected a dot while we were reading. Brayden. Brayden. Yeah. Bray. Yeah. Yeah. Bray. Yeah. We made. I thought we all had <laughs> made that. Yeah. Here in the team seminar, we all uh, unpack things at our own paces, and it's important <laughs> for us to give each other. The room and space to grow and make our own discoveries. Anyway, I think Ray's dead, as in dead as a doornail dead. And this brings us pretty cleanly on. <laughs> Jughead Jones. The who, man of the hour. Who, like Ray, is dead as a doornail dead. How does this episode open? The episode opens with Jug narrating so much. <laughs> He's like, I'm alive, bitches. Um, <laughs> he confirms that he saw um, the, his own funeral because Betty set up a camera. Which Waller. leads me to the question, why would she give a love confession to Donna when she knew Jughead <laughs> was watching? That's really weird. He talks about how he had two obituaries and he said he liked the blue and gold one that Betty wrote, which I thought was sweet. Um, um, I like that Betty canonically trashed her boyfriend in the newspaper. <laughs> I mean, I don't think she wrote that. Who else works in the blue and gold? Oh, no, that? He said, 
Wait, he said he Yeah, he says there was a more irreverent one in the blue and gold. Oh. Which has to have been written by Betty. And yeah. irreverent to me means she trashed him in the blue and gold. What? Why does that mean she trashed him? What, do, what does irreverent mean, English major? I'm confused about what you're saying. Me too. That she wrote an irreverent piece in the blue and gold. Do you not know what irreverent means or do I'm I I'm asking you, I, do I not know what irreverent I means? Know. If he doesn't know or if I don't know. No, you're right. What? She trashed him in the blue and gold. Wait, who's stupid? I know what irreverent means. But them saying it in this episode gaslit me into believing my original idea of what irreverent meant was wrong. So then I was just like, oh, they must it must mean something good. And then you were you're but <laughs> okay, No, she yeah. trashed him. Yeah. She wrote, This okay. man fucking sucks. In the blue and golden, he's like, that's my girl. That's funny. Me and you forever, baby. Don't I leave don't... me for Archie next episode. It's wild that next episode is when that happens. He almost died. Anyway. <laughs> she got over it. Then we have um, we have a scene where Betty tells FP that Jug is alive. And FP is so relieved. I feel so bad for him. I know. I feel really bad. Man. FP is so... Esquito, which... Kills like rules this character. He's just a genuinely good actor at all times in anything he's in. Like he freaking nails these scenes. It's really good. He just like collapses onto his desk. Then we have a scene of Jug with his murder board, and he's like, "Did I have to fake my death to figure all this out? No." Like, it's so funny. It's it's the most cop out line they write this whole episode. Because like, did I have to do it? Mm. It was fun though. <laughs> he just goes. You might be wondering, did I have to do this? And I was expecting the answer to be like, yes. Here's why. And he just goes, who can say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was fun. I was just vibing. Maybe not. <laughs> Perhaps there was no point. <laughs> That's really what's important when you think about it. Why did they even write that line in? If they just were going to say, I don't know. Like, what the hell? That's so funny. Oh, this yeah. this is like so funny. So good. Then you have Jug at a giant murder board in the fucking bunker. Here, okay, here's a plot hole in this episode for you that's actually a plot hole. Uh -huh. The fact that no children in the high school went to use this bunker for sex the entire time Jughead's been down that's there. That's true. Who knows about the sex bunker? Kevin. Yeah, but I feel like after the King- oh, Kevin knows about there. the sex bunker, and he said that there's a sign-up sheet for the sex bunker. That's true. There is a sign-up sheet. Yeah, and Betty is signed up for all He's of like, this. Betty, 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 <laughs> Betty, Betty, Betty. <laughs> She's like, I'm really sad. I'm having one-on-one -on -one time. She's like, I'm grieving, okay? Kevin, Kevin keeps going to the sign-up sheet and he's like... <laughs> to make it less suspicious, they rotate. It goes Betty, Betty, Veronica, Archie, Betty, Veronica, Archie, Archie, Archie. No, because Veronica and Archie aren't together. It keeps being like Betty, Archie, Betty, Archie. And then everyone in the school is like, wow, I can't believe they're together. And Veronica's like, how did you know? And they're like, they wrote it on the fucking sheet every day. 
I can't believe they canonized that there's a sign-up sheet for the bunker. That's the most wild thing. I know. Betty made it like a whole Google spreadsheet for it. It's wild. You think when um (laughs) Google spreadsheet, sorry. Do you think when um Penelope was in there that Cheryl wrote that? That Penelope was locked at the (laughs) She was like actually kidnapping my mom right now, so if you could not, uh, I would appreciate that. Ooh, uh, yeah, it's occupied by Penelope Blossom from now until when I need her next. No, I don't think she did. I just think she wrote a note that said, be warned if you want to have sex, Penelope will be watching. <laughs> you can lock her in the bathroom that's appeared. <laughs> um, Jug has a giant murder board. He's trying to connect things. He has little post-it notes next to everybody's name. Jonathan's name has a little note that says food poisoning next to it. <laughs> the Jonathan lore is sp- Spiraling out of control. <laughs> I know. I is he dead? Have, I also have tummy problems. I he am dead. I don't remember him being dead in this episode. I, I literally he's dead. I have vivid memories of him being in the room for this thing, and he's just. Why are they like? Yeah. Also, Jonathan died. Yeah, I got that. It's wild though that Donna is like, or Betty's like Donna. You covered your tracks perfectly jonathan is dead find him where is he no one cares they're like mr dupont the three random people you killed years ago you're going down for it jonathan who just recently fucking died out of nowhere forget about probably just has food poisoning so fucked up. The fuck. The amazing thing. The amazing thing is that no one knows what happens to Jonathan. None no. of the writers. None of the actors. I I tried to look online if there was anyone has ever talked about what happened to Jonathan. It is so unclear what happened to the stupid boy. Hey, just dropping in because in editing I decided to check the Riverdale wiki about this, and Jonathan's fate is so weird. That he, the Riverdale wiki has this thing where they list every character as either being alive or dead because so many people die. And Jonathan has the label status unknown, uh, uh, a label he shares with one other character in the history of the Riverdale extended universe, an eldritch terror cat called the Endless. It's... It's an eldritch horror and Jonathan, (laughs) who may or may not have food poisoning. He knows he had, I mean, has food poisoning. That's what she says. Do you think, do you think that Jonathan's actor just didn't want to come back? Like, what happened? No, I think, I think that they wanted donna and brett to be even more sinister and they were like what if they killed one of their own people and so they wrote the line in but then when they got to the episode to deal with it they didn't have time to deal with the fact that they also killed jonathan because that would be a whole nother thing to add into the episode so they were just like yeah he's dead and you know what at the end betty's like we helped solve the murder of eight people i don't think that number includes jonathan (laughs) oh that's so uh it's the stonewall five Four plus the three people from 
that plus chipping. Nope, does not include. Because they didn't solve it. <laughs> That's rude. I feel horrible about it anyway. Jonathan, what happened to your bug? <laughs> I'm so sad. Rip Jonathan. Rip oh, Jonathan. God, it's so funny. <laughs> he started out with zero lines and he left on a low note. So funny that. The most oh. inconsequential character in all of Riverdale. When I was no, trying to the find the last <laughs> thing they say about him is that he failed to ju to check Jughead's pulse correctly. That's they, the last thing they say um, about him. Also, when I was so I was doing the character boards and I said she was Jonathan. I was I found videos of every person that I said she was. There are no videos of Jonathan anywhere to be found <laughs> on YouTube. Not a single video about Jonathan. <laughs> Like, I couldn't find a clip with him in the background. I couldn't find anything. Like, nothing. He barely exists. He was a blip. Like, it's horrible. Every time you rewatch the season, they cut him more and more out. He's an abnormality. He was so never funny. supposed to be there. Riverdale's incapable of making a season that doesn't have a literally glaring problem. Like, it's so bad. This is the funniest one, though. This one's even worse because everything else they solve perfectly, but then the actual, like, important character is dead. They're like, whatever. <laughs> it's just gone. Sorry, I just had to talk about Jonathan because it just says Jonathan food poisoning on his sticky so Oh, God. Anyway. My favorite character. I really love Jonathan. <laughs> Betty and Jug kiss in the bunker, and Betty says, "Are you ready, like, to go? We have somebody showering as we speak." And Jug, Kool Aid Man's, he goes, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> That's what that so weird. No, the next scene also has Kool Aid Man breaking through a wall vibes. Can you? If you remember how he says, "Oh yeah," please go back to this part of the episode and watch it because it's the fucking weirdest thing. It is so funny. So are we gonna do this or what? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's so weird. That's you so know. weirdly sexual. I know. Right? I love everything about this show. Oh, okay. Then they go to Stonewall and they kick in the door and they're like, hey guys. So they're in the class that DuPont is teaching with Donna, Joan, and Brett. And they are like, we haven't done a locked room mystery. We're going to lock the door. Um, and Joan is like, what's going on? And Betty turns to her and goes, it's called getting your comeuppance, Joan. You dumb ass idiot. I love how he enters the room because he's like, hey guys. I know. Well, he's what? Like, Did you even miss me? I know, it's really good. I the, I actually really like, uh, Jug said, usually we do a you, who done it. now we're doing a why done it. I liked that. Because I actually yeah. think that the whole why aspect of this season is the part that is cool. Because from yeah. the beginning, you know who did it. So the question really is, why the hell are these four students the worst? Three now. <laughs> why are these three students plus their... their ill friend then basically everyone who ha ghost wrote for the baxter brothers had to prove that they could do it by in real life committing a perfect murder and then they would get to ghost write for the baxter brothers i think that um, that's such a cool idea 
Yes, this I person, like. I think that's a really cool like idea for a serial killer. So Chipping brought in Moose because he was they were planning on killing Moose, but he felt really guilty about it and couldn't go through with it. So he told Moose to leave, and he felt really guilty and he jumped out the window in response because he didn't know what else to do. Oh, and they get uh, they flash back to the window scene. I remember being really excited about that. I love that window. Ah, uh, what a good scene, man. Um, Donna's wild this episode. I know she's just there's one part where Brett is like I'm gonna call security and Donna's like no just give her your phone yeah and I'm like Donna wants this to happen I know I feel like oh for real I feel like Donna play the fucking jingle who's gay who's gay who's gay who's gay who's gay Donna is the whole season wait building up to something happening with Betty and it feels like everything she's doing is just she's waiting for the moment with Betty to happen. Do you feel like that? That's how I feel. A little bit. But, but I think also like the end of this episode being like Donna didn't care if everything went to crap because it was still going to be good for her. Yeah. And I think that's so cool that she's willing to have this whole scene where where these two people basically say exactly what happened because she knows at the end of it, she still gets what she wants. I think that's sick as hell. Yeah. So she's just pretty confident during all this while everyone else is kind of self-destructing. Like Joan keeps saying, blurting things out. Brett is like really upset. DuPont is slowly cracking and Donna's just like, yeah. Um, then the blackboard is whipped out. As Betty- Starts writing on a blackboard. <laughs> You're in freaking class now, losers. You can see that Cole Sprouse and Lily Reinhardt were having so much fun doing this fucking episode. Lily Reinhardt has that has top tier teacher handwriting. Yes. I think um, this episode must have been absurdly fun to film. I think that they were probably like, this is what they wanted Riverdale to be when they signed on. Probably. Oh, yeah. So I, I think they were having fun. Because, I mean... Donna has that moment where she's like, well, what about Mr. Chipping or whatever? And Betty goes, good, you remember. And I'm like, this freaking rules. Oh, I love this so much. The freaking, you got to remember that because it's going to be on the test. This whole episode is peak perfection, script writing, acting. It's the best episode of Riverdale they've ever produced. And it's just a bunch of people sitting in a room. Then Donna, so, sorry, ignore that. Then they talk about what everybody's part of the plan were. So DuPont told all of them that if they want to be ghostwriters for the Baxter brothers, they have to commit the perfect murder. It was going to be Moose. Moose left. That means it's going to be Jughead. So um, all of the students want to be the ghostwriters. So they all agree together that they're going to kill Jughead. And so Donna kept Betty busy in the woods. How did she keep her busy is the question. Brett led Jug into the woods. Joan hit Jug in the back of the head with the rock. And Jonathan was supposed to check his pulse. And he did not do a good and job And Donna it. led Betty to the body and put the rock in Betty's hand. This is pretty much when you learn that Joan has perfume that you can smell from a mile away. Musk. It, it radiates off her in waves. If, if I was walking up to someone and they knew it was me by my scent, I don't think I, I think I'd change my cologne. I think I, that'd be it for me. We're done. 
I couldn't handle that. I It's worse than murder. That's the most damnable I, thing in this episode. My favorite part of this episode is that Jug roasts the hell out of them for not murdering him, right? I know. It's I mean, so he is pissed. He's like, you couldn't even swing the rock hard enough to kill me, you dumbass. That's why you always just got a freaking double tap. Just hit him again. What's he the is, problem? Make sure he's, he's super dead. Like, <laughs> he's like, so I'm not mad. I'm just, you couldn't do, you can't do anything right, Joan. Like, he's pissed. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. It's so funny how mean he is about them not murdering him, right? So you see what happened after Betty, Veronica, and Archie see Jughead's body. So they performed CPR and brought Jughead back. Um, then they called Charles, and Charles took like took medical care of Jughead. He told them to burn their clothes in the woods, and they made a plan for what would happen if Jughead died. I really like that Charles is always down to clean up a crime scene. Why would he help? He's evil! <laughs> no, 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 no. Because despite being evil, Charles is consistently pro-murder. That's true. Yeah. That's what you gotta remember here. <laughs> Um, then they bring up how Jughead was dead, so he, it was actual Jughead in dead person makeup, um, and Betty's like, yeah, me and Dr. Curdle Jr. go way back, if you just give him the right price, he'll do whatever. That man, I counted how much money he was holding. How much was it? It was 80 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> do was give him 85 bucks and he would have <laughs> cracked like <laughs> why i was right last episode i said you give this man 40 bucks and a sandwich and i was fucking right they paid him 80 bucks to so cover funny. up a whole crime that's so funny <laughs> i adore dr curdle jr with all of my heart it was, and I know, you know why it was? It's because they took real, it was real cash. And they probably just asked everyone on set how much cash they had. And they gave it to him <laughs> in the scene. And it was just 420s. And it was just so it's funny. It's useless. Sorry. If it's, because usually Dr. Curdle Jr. gets like envelopes full I of cash. <laughs> for just like leaking uh, a mortuary report. 80 bucks? To pretend someone's dead? He has weird priorities. So funny. It's so funny. My guy took this job for the love of the game. I I love it. Okay, we can do ad break. We don't have that much left. Amazing. (laughs) Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Riverdale Book Club, the podcast in a podcast we have been reading through Riverdale, The Day Before, by McCole Osto. This is an Archie chapter, the last we left off. It was July 3rd. Archie is with Grundy and working at, at Archie's construction. Chapter 16. That was me to a T. Archie Andrews, solid citizen. I wondered sometimes if that would be the epitaph they'd etch on my gravestone. Of all things, we were running short on rolls of fiberglass insulation. So unlike my dad to run short. 
It just proved my theory that he had much on his mind as I did. <laughs> my dad's too busy thinking to care about fiberglass, his number one passion. Maybe he just fucking forgot. I picked up double what dad was asking for just to be safe. Poor decision-making skills for a business. Yeah, don't do that. I was glad to be an easy customer. Dilton Doily was in there in his full adventure scout getup, pushing the clerk to sell him bullets for his pellet gun. It's standard issue for the scouts, Dilton was saying. Then come back with an actual scout leader, one who's over 18, the clerk said over Dilton's attempts to protest. You shouldn't need weapons. The bears will stay away as long as you know your food storage. Of course bears. I do. That is true. Does Pennsylvania have bears? Greece has bears. There's right. only in the Riverdale's in Greece. We hadn't considered that. No, I was warning you about Greece, you dumbass. Anyway. Indiana wow, has that bears. was cold. I'll be fine. And I've seen someone beat up a bear in television. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd be no, fine. I was caught up enough in my own thoughts that I managed to crash directly into Valerie Brown, one-third of Josie and the Pussycats. Oh my god, Valerie! I know, I was really excited to see her. She was pretty preoccupied herself, hunched over her phone and squinting intently. Because we have no idea what Valerie does most of the time. I know! Yeah, why is she in the gun store? She's vibing! Let her be in the gun store, it's feminism. No, no one should be in a gun store. Everyone should be in a gun store. That's equality. You cannot keep guns from people, regardless of gender, sex, religion. If we gave babies guns, mass shooting would never happen. That's true, because everyone would be dead, because babies are stupid. Because yeah. babies are pure, and good guys with guns fix everything, so just give your baby a Glock. Obviously. Whoa, I said, stepping back as quickly as I could. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to trample you. What? No, it was my bad, she said, her voice soft. Valerie's voice is not soft. No. Valerie's voice is actually, like, pretty cool, and I really like it. Her eyes were hazel that changed color as the sunlight played off her face. This person really remembers Valerie. Nicole, do you have a favorite character? <laughs> Is it Jonathan? Nicole. Texting and walking. Bad call. I'm not coordinated enough for that. You play guitar. <clears throat> What's going on? You looked pretty serious there. I said, I mean, not to pry. I didn't know Val that well, but I had mad respect for her musical skills, even more so now that I was getting into playing music of my own. Or, you know, trying to. She shrugged. So stupid. Band drama. Or maybe not even, I don't know. We're just getting our set list together and making plans for tonight. Wait, you don't all go home early and drink, like, tea with lemon the night before a big gig so you can be fresh and rested? Val burst out laughing. That is definitely not the Pussycats. We like to roar, you know? Go claws out. It's the best way I know of to settle any pre-show jitters. Wow, she's making me actually dislike Valerie. This is interesting. <laughs> it's an art form you have, McCole. 
This this all sounds like stuff that Josie would say though. No, Valerie wouldn't. I just feel like this isn't very Valerie. But also okay. I haven't interacted with Valerie since season one. That's true, nothing feels very Valerie. Better than that old thing about, you know, picturing the audience in their underwear. She gave me a look. Archie, I don't think anyone really does that. And she was probably right. But then there was an uncomfortable beat where I'm pretty sure we were each thinking about the other one's underwear, even though we really didn't want to. Uh, hey, McCall. After writing that line, were you like, I've earned my paycheck for the day? You hear the word underwear and you automatically think about the person you're looking at and what their underwear looks like? I know what yours looks like because you did this podcast naked the other day. <laughs> I don't know what crypto lesbians look like. It's a tragedy. That's true because I'm not into... She's not wearing any, you idiot. <laughs> you fool. These double Ds are double free. <laughs> of the conversations we have on this podcast. I love myself. Hang on, she started, and I almost burst into an apology for having an involuntary thought. But before I could, she pointed, clarifying what it was that, cut, that had caught her attention. That's weird. It took me a second to figure out just what she was pointing to, because it was two figures a block away, partially hidden by a large oak tree. Isn't that, like, Jughead's dad? He's a serpent, right? Val asked. FP's not a serpent. I corrected her. I mean... Okay, technically, but in name only. He went through a rough patch, but he cleaned up his act. He's working for my dad now, you know? If F.P. Jones is working for your father, then why isn't he, you know, working for your father? <laughs> Great There's question, that. Val. I... I didn't know what to say. The conversation that Dad and I had had at lunch came back to me like a voiceover in a cheesy movie. I'm an idiot, I said, the weight of it hitting me like a body blow. Val put a hand on my arm. Her skin was surprisingly soft. What the fuck? That's the meaning way to compliment someone. That is a very... Also, the way you're reading this is just making me... Making me think of the fucking Prince Harry book. <laughs> <laughs> like, when you said she, I expected you to be like... I groaned and peed my pants. <laughs> You're not an idiot. You just prefer to give people the benefit of the doubt. Honestly, it's a good thing. And it's in rare supply these days. I was startled by how nice she was being. The kind things she was saying to me. About me. Everyone knows. The pussycats are fierce and talented and gorgeous as hell. But I'd never really taken a beat to notice Val. Archie is on some simp sh <laughs> Can you imagine, like, being so good that you get someone out of being groomed? Fucking <laughs> wild. But now, I couldn't help it. She was right there, and it was nice. Does Jug know about his dad, do you think? asked. I shook my head. I doubt it. But I And I did doubt it. But I couldn't be sure. Because we didn't hang out anymore. 
because of Geraldine. And that was what it all came down to, wasn't it? Geraldine. Here was Val. There was FP. And Jughead was around somewhere. And he... <laughs> <laughs> Val is here. FP is there. Jughead is around. Val's phone buzzed again, breaking the momentary spell between us. She flicked her gaze at it, then sighed. Reggie Mantle is nothing if not persistent. He wants he wants us to play sorry. He wants us to play some gig in New York City, she said. Tomorrow. Like after our set at Town Hall. What? That's amazing. I couldn't help it. I reached out and grabbed her by the shoulders. You have to do it! The city! That's the dream! I know, right? I love this chapter. This chapter took a sharp right turn into my favorite chapter. I took Val by the wrist and looked her in the eyes. Well, I said, I hope it works out for you. But you know, you guys are crazy talented. This won't be your only shot. She blinked. Her eyelashes were full like an anime character's. <laughs> no lie. The book says like an anime character's. Probably can't read that. Oh my god, I can! Oh my god! Oh, come on! Wow! Oh my god. Oh, what a choice. McCole, I just want you to know that if you wrote every chapter like this, this book would be the best thing I've ever seen. At some point, like last chapter to this chapter, she, like, went through a life change. You know how in the middle of writing Lord of the Rings, war happened, and so the series got way darker? Something yeah. happened in the middle of this, and it changed McCall forever. <laughs> <laughs> this was was McCall's World War II, is actually what I think. Maybe McCall's World War II was that she was on a Zoom call and she tried to do that stupid avocado. <laughs> 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 And she couldn't do it, and it changed her irreparably. <laughs> Thanks, Andrews. That's sweet of you to say. I hope you come to the show tomorrow. Of course, I said automatically. Then I remembered my plans with Geraldine. I didn't actually know how long our date would go on. I only knew that I'd never be the one to cut it short. I'll definitely try. I'll try. It was looking to be my new mantra. But was it enough? End of chapter. From hlodge at lodgeindustries.net to Fred at andrewsconstruction.com Three, old acquaintance. Hello, Fred. I suppose it's a cliche to say, long time no see. I don't know. I don't know what voice this is. It's not Hiram. It's Hermione. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! They both have H's. <laughs> that was so funny. Hello, Fred. I, su I suppose it's a cliche to say a long time no see. Oh, you, you can't do a female vampire voice? You sexist pig. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I don't know, Fred. 
<laughs> I suppose it's a cliché to say long time no see. But what do you say instead when this happens to be the truth? In any case, I hope you're well. And that you're happy enough to hear from me despite our, well, rocky past. There are a lot of things I could tell you I'll need. A job, a source of income, some kids my daughter's age to show her the ropes at Riverdale High. And I guess I am, however obliquely, asking for those things now. But most of all, what I'd love, even if I don't truly deserve it, is your friendship. I'm hoping that after all this time, after everything that's happened, well, I'm really hoping that it's not too much to ask. With love, Hermione. Delete. Delete? Yeah. What the fuck is the point of that then? To show you character. Also, she's like, can you find some kids to show to my kids? <laughs> Can you set up a play date? Oh, the next scene, they confirm that they met up with ghostwriters to prove that DuPont murdered three of them. Yes. Um, right. And then, at this, like, right after they say that, they bring in FP Charles and Grandpa Jones. I actually, I love this reveal of the grandpa coming in for a lot of reasons, Sarah. But mostly it's because they're like, why don't we bring him in? And then it opens the doors, and you pretty much just see Charles and FP. Because the grandpa character is, like, short enough that he can just hide behind them. So you get this epic shot of, like, the parting of the waves to reveal Forsyth Pendleton Jones. And I'm like, oh, baby, that slaps so hard. Um, does this make it no longer count as a locked room mystery because she unlocks the fucking That's room so and opens true. it? <laughs> it really bothered me that no, they were like, no. this is a locked room mystery. Unlock the door, Betty. We have more people that can to come in. Uh, Forsyth locks it behind him. A temporary, a temporarily unlocked room mystery. It sucked. Um, but yeah, FP Charles, Grandpa Jones come in. So, okay, you know how we've confirmed that the ghostwriters for Baxter Brothers had to kill someone in order to become the ghostwriter. So DuPont was, sorry, DuPont, he did a whole, sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. You can phrase it if you want. I'm not doing a good job. I don't know what you're trying. So DuPont is a serial killer in two ways. One, this whole ghostwriter perfect murder thing. And two, he bought the Baxter Brothers off of Forsyth Pendleton Jones and he believes if that ever got out, it would cause outrage within the fan base community and it would cause like company problems, whatever. So he has been going around to all of his old classmates and killing them in very apropos ways. Classmates like Jane Dallas Brown, Charles W. Chickens, and Theodore Weisel, which are I all gave him the last name chickens <laughs> which are Thank all phenomenal fake names for actors for the the writers. they chickens. already have the name charles pick a different name guys anyway it's also to give credit to to f to fp the one fp the first 
is Why that is he, he was he was trying to get evidence for Mr. DuPont's killings of the other members in the is FP Forsyth Pendleton? What yeah. the yeah. fuck else do you think it means? Have you I not clacked that? Together Charlotte, <laughs> it's been four seasons. When you said when you said to me seasons ago that you liked the exchange of like why did you name me after someone that ran away? Because it's my name too. Did you not clock that FP's name was Forsyth? No, I thought he chose FP as his alternative name. Oh my god, I love you. You are an idiot. <laughs> you are actually not. They, the show actually makes it as crystal clear as they possibly oh could. Oh my god. Wow. Like, they spell it out for you, my love. No, they literally spell it out for you. <laughs> God, that, that sucks. Crazy. I'm so sorry, everyone. That's anyway, so Grandpa's funny. here. Um, I understand. I think it's cool that they explain why he left, but it doesn't explain why he was abusive. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Um, and it, it also, but I like that because it's like, yeah, he still sucked though. No, yeah, yeah. The, the, I, I, I think this rides a line between, like, they don't. I don't think they ever make an excuse for the grandpa. And the episode even ends with being like, I don't know if FP and my grandpa are going to make up. Yeah. Like, they just might not. Like, it might not work um, out. I think that this whole season is cool. I think the grandpa yeah. thing is cool. And I think Mr. DuPont's reaction to this situation is appropriate and understandable. Yeah. Um, Charles explains that he has enough evidence to put DuPont away. So DuPont jumps out the window and dies. I don't know if that was high enough to definitely kill you. I wouldn't take that risk. It would have been funny if he just broke his leg. <laughs> Ow! Like, no, I'm totally dead. I think if I was their window guy, I would My be upset about this. How many people must crash through this? It would also be funny if he tried to jump through it. And it didn't work. And they were like, yeah, the because somebody died. We put in different glass, buddy. You can't they jump out anymore, okay? It's such a hard window to remake. Walked. It's like a mosaic freaking window. I know. I know. Yeah, it's like, such leave. a hard... I thought about they this. They have to make that special. He could have just waited to see if he was going to go to jail or not, or if Charles was bluffing. I mean, he literally was like, guess I'll just die now without trying to That's even so live. True. I'm going to be honest. When I was concerned at like, that actor's pretty old. I don't think he should be jumping out of a window, even if it's like at ground level. I mean, it's probably a stunt double. They show him run up to the window as him and jump out. Yeah, but it's a stunt double. Where would the stunt double take his, we see his face, and then him run and jump out the window? Girly, I don't know how stunt doubles work. I'm dumb. I fully believe that it has to be him, because the jump was so bad. I know, it was him. It was him, because he goes like, he goes, and like, he, he barely, he doesn't really clear the window. His legs hit the window, and then he like, plops out of it. Mr. Chipping's jump was iconic. This jump's embarrassing. I think even with a mat, I'm worried for that actor. Nothing could be could happen that would make me be like, you're you're 
too old to be doing this stunt. I was thinking that too when he did it. Hope he was okay. Then we have, so the mystery's fully been solved, except for um, Jonathan. So, no, he has food poisoning, didn't you listen? He had food poisoning. So we know why all of the people were trying to kill Jughead. We know why Moose left. We know what was going on with the pot. We know all the things. Then we have Charles doing wrap-up interviews. Then we have Donna's interview, and she is so, she's just crying and, like, She's clearly trying to play Charles and be like, I didn't do anything. And no, it's she's kind lying of... because she's no longer with Betty. Yeah, it's she kind of a... great. She had a full 30 minutes with Betty. Oh, I didn't mention that. I freaking love this episode because they say 30 minutes and then 30 minutes pass of them talking in this room and then they leave the room. I love this episode. I just think that that's always neat when like the timing within the episode matches real world timing. Yeah, I'm I no do. better than Aristotle. I mean, do you support slavery? <laughs> I'm no better than Aristotle in this one specific aspect. Okay, there you go. <laughs> anyway. Okay, then we have, I don't support this scene, okay? We have oh, I Brett. support this scene. Brett's interview. Brett, okay, we, we've confirmed throughout the season that donna is the mastermind of this shit and is dragging brett along with her and he's just a weird creepy guy but he's not the mastermind of this yeah. donna yeah. gets let off the hook brett goes to his interview and he's trying to make like a plea deal where about like um he says if you don't let me do my plea deal so, so that i don't go to jail then i'm gonna release all the sex tapes i have and then brett leaves the room charles sorry charles leaves the room and then brings in fp and jug who have brass knuckles yeah 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 yeah, yeah. ever loving shit out of breath yeah 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 s this is so much i love corruption I, it no rules. my thing is why if we're gonna do this make it equal i need donna to get beat the fuck up too i need equality they both deserve it they kill donna Jonathan. doesn't have the sex tapes she just watched them <laughs> that's different you think she watched them with brett no no she watched them with joan brett is they, nice. they, they were the last things jonathan ever saw Jonathan. <laughs> Literally, they beat up Brett so brutally. Yeah. That it disturbed me. Brett's actor rules. He sells that. I mean, his he looks so fucked. Betty's like, I have to leave, guys. I have something I need to do. I have one more T to cross. What does she do? She, okay, I have a headcanon. I need to have a whole speech. I've, she, okay, Betty is in Donna's room in the dark, waiting for Donna to Donna's get back. Room. Donna gets back and is not even phased by Betty sitting there whatsoever. What I wish would happen, what should have happened. Okay, Betty should have sat down and been like, it's over. And Donna should have been like, I know. And then they should have had a beat of silence where they just looked at each other because the game is over. That the reason they've been interacting this whole time has ended. And they both acknowledge it and just stand there and look at each other. And then they kiss. And then 
Betty leaves and they never talk again. And it's the most iconic thing that's ever happened in the world, but that doesn't happen. And it, they get so close to it happening. I know. Play the fucking jingle. I'm so upset. Who's gay? Who's gay? Who's gay? Who's gay? Who's gay? But I really like the. I'll play one more round. That is, it just. But wouldn't it be so good if they they were just like it's done? Like what else is there for us to do except Tracy True? What's left is Tracy True. It sucks. Okay. By the way, the Tracy True. Uh, do you want to? I can talk about this if you want. Because this this reveal is the dumbest one. I know it's horrible. <laughs> you can talk about it. Hermosa found. That Donna is the granddaughter of Jane Dallas Brown, the creator of Tracy True, murdered by Francis DuPont, and all of Donna's actions over the past 15 years have been an elaborate ploy for her to get into Stonewall, get the Baxter Brothers contract, kill DuPont, and relaunch the brand as Tracy True. She succeeded on all of those counts. She has the contract and is Tracy True. Betty says, if you don't step away from the contract, I will release the medical records that your grandma is dead to a bunch of news organizations, which personally, <laughs> I don't think sounds that bad. No. Wait, can I say something about yeah. this? The scene opens with, <laughs> sorry, with Donna. This is actually the clip I used in my PowerPoint to prove Donna is me. With Donna being like, you think I planned an elaborate conspiracy with the, that involved the deaths of multiple people so that I could get a YA book deal? That's so me-coded. I, that is so valid. I love that. I was upset because Betty says no and then goes on to explain why she elaborated yeah. a, a full conspiracy to get a YA book deal. Just say yes. Just Can look just... her dead in the eye and say, yes, I do. This scene is so sexual. For what? It's not. Like, no. It's Betty romantic. being like, I have to cross one last T. And then Donna walking in and not even being being surprised that Betty's there. And then they sit across from each other in the dim lighting and they look at each other and they talk about the last things of the mystery. And this, why is it so intimate? She could have brought this up when Jughead was there. She did it by herself on purpose because her and Donna have this thing going. And Donna started this for all the reasons she said, but she pushed it further for Betty's sake. And I fully believe that. That's and then Donna true. steps away. I actually, I love the jug Donna foil. I think that's I fun. Donna's and such it, a good foil to so many characters. What a well-written character. I actually do think Donna's a solid character. No, like, like that's genuine. She has such consistent characterization for Riverdale. Yeah. That's, that is a good point. And I think that the actor does a really good job. Oh, and then as Betty walks away, there's a prolonged scene of her walking down the hallway to gangster music. <laughs> it rules. <laughs> I love this episode. Do you think the reason the reason Donna is crazy is because the just the fumes of Joan 
at all times. She was a pers perfectly rational person before that class. No, I mean, they lived together. Oh they my were... god. Oh my god, they were really... that, It ruined her. Totally. There's no way you can keep living like that. Their, their room is so odorous. I'm I'm convinced Joan goes to Pottery Barn and gets new candles daily. Um. Then Cheryl talks to Betty. Jeez. Cheryl is like, "Are you sure there's nothing going on between you?" I don't you care. And I don't care. This is I three. care. It's relevant for the next episode, motherfucker. So I'm oh gonna talk God. about. It. I I could not care less about Barchi shippers. I couldn't. I'm not a closeted Barchi stan. All of you can go die in a ditch for all I care. It is so wild to me for Cheryl to say that Archie and Betty have chemistry when this whole season has been Betty having chemistry with random women. And, and then Jug. also Archie is there. And Jug. Yeah. They but had they their freaking the Thanksgiving snacks thing. That's the cutest no, scene in this they, season. They do Betty having connections with people so well in this season. Like None of them are Archie. No. And there's all these people that she has very interesting relationships with and genuine connections. And it makes the show, it's ma what makes the season at all interesting is Betty having connections with people. And then Archie is the least yeah. interesting one. And then we have Grandpa and FP Von Bond. This scene made me tear up. It was really sweet. I thought it was nice. It's just FP and his dad sitting at a table talking. And Jug is like, I have to go. Will you be here when I get back? And gr the grandpa's like, yeah, we have a lot more to talk about. And FP comes over to Jug and he hugs him. And he's like, you're the reason we at all are talking again. And I don't know, like, we don't know if we'll forgive each other or whatever. But at least we're, like, trying. It's my, I love Skeet Ulrich. This scene is so sweet. I think this is the most emotional I get at this show. Was this scene? The Ulrich is, I mean, it's, it's so good because they're like, this guy sucks. And part of the reason that he sucked is not his fault. And part of the reason that he sucked is his fault. And that's just a thing. And then they're like, FP and him are talking. They're not best friends. They're not like, completely he's not completely forgiven he still is wasn't a good dad but it's just like they're trying it's so sweet it's so sweet i like i don't know the best abuse plotline riverdale will ever do oh, they cannot yeah. do it except for this season what about chadwick you have two episodes before chadwick what a he's coming <laughs> He's he is flying at full speed in his helicopter. The accident. Oh my god, we're so close to batshit bonkers town. Jesus. Okay. This season being between three and five is the most out of lane, out of pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I know they just dropped a masterpiece of a season between Two of the weirdest things you've ever seen. And then the gang is at Pops and Kevin's like, musical gay, I'm gay, Stonewall, hey, I'm, I'm gay, musical, gay, musical, gay, musical. Gay, gay. Um, my favorite moment of this scene is KJ trying to do a dramatic sip from his straw but missing his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Love that for him. 
Also, as the as the fucking as the screen fades to black, you can hear Corey Cott saying like a, a line that's supposed to be completely muted in the scene as like a oh now they're chatting, but for some reason they left it in and he just says check out this list of local names. <laughs> Ruined me. Wait, I'm gonna watch it right now. I didn't notice that, my love. No, I have to watch it. So funny. That is so good. It's the most, it's such a line that was meant to be cut. That is so funny. Why did I say that? The way he said it to you. Check out this list of low. Why does he move his, he goes local? I love this episode. This episode is the best episode critically that that Riverdale has ever done. I love it. 11 out of 10 odorous perfume. I liked this episode this time, and I'm not embarrassed about that. I accept I was wrong. This episode was good. I'm giving this an 8 out of 10 for Jonathan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving this an 8 out of 10 food poisonings. I'm giving this a, I'll be gracious, a 7 out of 10 window suicides. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Check out this list of local names. Check out this list of local names. I think Corey Cott is such a funny actor because he always feels like he's not in the right scene. Like he's meant to be somewhere else. Oh my God, that's so funny. Thank you, Sarah, so much for listening. I have been the conch. I didn't even mention that. Freaking DuPont tries to stop, like, their whole spiel. And, and Jug says, shut up, as they say in Lord of the Flies. I have the conch. And then it fades to fucking black. Because this, <laughs> this episode rules. Thank you so much for listening. I have been the conch. Oh, hail the magic god. <laughs> I have been bisexual Betty. And I've been crypto lesbian pulp fiction. Rest in peace, Jonathan. This episode is in honor of him. Alright, baby. We deserve better. I feel like the I you know what? There's a power play in recording audio so you can play it back to have fake phone sex with yourself. Your mind is light years away from everyone else's. (laughs) You're an advanced being. We haven't caught up to you yet.